So an unstructured sort of, hey, do you have anything you need to chat about? Or a simple status meeting doesn't work anymore. You know, um, it, it doesn't show value to the team member. It puts the entire impetus on them to bring up significant issues, more or less off the top of their head. And if you've ever, you know, and I was an employee for a long time, it is hard to bring up difficult things with your boss if there's not a regular place for you to have those discussions. Hi, my name is Chris Zaug, and welcome to Let's Talk Teams, a podcast by Uptick, the one-on-one meeting software that helps managers and their teams get on the same page. But more than that, actually having better conversations with one another, not just talking about projects or status updates and all the stuff you can do via email. It digs into the nitty-gritty things, how work is going and how your team members work best, the conversations you never get to really have. In this week's podcast, we're going to talk about why we should have one-on-ones to begin with. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for very long, you hear us talk a lot about how important it is, but why do we have them? And how does it affect us and our team that we, that we just dive into it and really dig into those one-on-ones? You know, every once in a while, um, as I explain what I do with Uptick, I'm asked the question, uh, don't we have enough meetings already? I mean, I feel like we're we're meeting down. My schedule's packed with meetings, and that's true. And I'm not a big fan of meetings at all. If you've uh, again heard any of our podcasts, you know that. But there are some meetings that are really important, and there are others that can be superfluous. They can be replaced by other things like communication in Teams or Slack or something else. But a one-on-one is different. And to answer the question why we should have them, first of all, we have to kind of answer our own why. And I did that for myself. I, a couple of months ago, I thought, I'm going to sit down and write, you know, wh- why? Who am I? And what do I want to be as a leader? It was really important for me to do. So this is what I wrote. This is my why, and I'm just going to read it. It said, um, I believe that every person is created with a unique set of gifts and abilities and that they deserve to work in a place that is fulfilling, safe, productive, and encouraging. They deserve to know what's expected of them, and they should have the proper resources available to meet those expectations, a place to love and be loved, a place to serve and be served, a place to know and be known, a place that develops them, celebrates them, and provides the platform for them to be their best selves doing their best work. Now, some of you hear that and you resonate with it and you think, that's great, Chris, and some of you... just roll. I could hear your eyes roll as you're listening to the podcast. You're like, okay, you know, promises like this are like platitudes and, you know, don't really want to hear it. Um, and, and they are platitudes if we don't plan for them to be otherwise. So, you know, and, and not only do we not, you know, actually live this out often, um, but it's something that was never taught to us. It wasn't modeled for us, particularly those of us who are a little bit older, like I am. I'm a, you know, baby boomer generation. And, you know, that's not what we were taught because back in the day, you, know, you showed up at work, you followed the direction, whatever your boss said to do, you kept your head down, you worked really hard, and hopefully you got rewarded in the end. You know, you got the gold watch or whatever bonus you get at the end of your career. The problem with that is that you sacrificed the present, everything that's going on now, for the a future or a, a known present, things that are actually going on now, for an unknown future. Like, oh, they're going to keep me forever and I'm going to get this big payout at the end. Who knows? I mean, that's a little bit scary to me. But the bulk of your future workforce, if it's not already, are either millennials or they're going to be Gen Zs, people under the age of 40. Now, you can't make gross generalizations about a generation, but but you can look at some characteristics. And some of those things have been really studied by the Gallup organization and others doing surveys. And they do have some things that are generally true about the generation. First of all, 
they really, really value growth and professional development on the job. Um, 87%, as a matter of fact, value that growth. Now you say, okay, um, but this generation, aren't they all about kind of fancy coffee bars and vacation and remote work and all the, they're not, this is actually more important to them because again, they're trying to build something. They're trying to build their career and they're not going to be loyal to you simply because they got hired by you. You actually have to earn your authority. You have to earn your loyalty to them because the job market is so wide open for them and they can get work anywhere. They can work remotely. So they're not just competing in a geographic location. So they have no problem leaving and they might not even tell you why they leave. But, um, but if you're developing them and building into them, statistics show you have a better chance of retaining them. Um, they're just not a generation that's willing to gut it out if there's no visible path to quote unquote better. Okay. So, so one of the things, one of the whys, one of the reasons why we have one-on-ones is because today's workforce, frankly, demands more. Okay. The second thing is because structure matters. So an unstructured sort of, Hey, do you have anything you need to chat about? Or a simple status meeting doesn't work anymore. You know, um, it it doesn't show value to the team member. It puts the entire impetus on them to bring up significant issues, more or less off the top of their head. And if you've ever, you know, and I was an employee for a long time, it is hard to bring up difficult things with your boss if there's not a regular place for you to have those discussions. So you're creating a safe place where your team member can actually have the discussion they need to have to their professional development, for them to, f- to fix issues they're having uh, in their work. Um, you can remove obstacles. That's a big thing the bosses should do, as well as just talking about the team and how the team is doing. So um, that structure matters. And so having something every week, not putting it off, not doing the drive by their desk. Hey, you got anything to talk about today? Uh, nope, nope. Okay, we won't meet today. Don't do it. Keep the structure. That structure matters. And it makes the meeting more than just problem solving. When you have these meetings regularly, it makes it something where you're building that relationship. And that's really, really important. Um, and then if you set the structure and you say, I'm going to meet with you, look, they, they know you're a manager, they know you're busy. It brings value to them to know that you're still meeting with them, even in the midst of your busy schedule. Um, and that gives them the opportunity to contribute to the conversation about what's going on in the team. They don't have to drive it but they're not a passenger either. There's a collaboration there. It's very important. And as a manager, letting them know that you've blocked out that regular time for them and and you're giving them an opportunity to contribute is super important. That's how you build trust. And that gives you a lot more grace when things are hard for the company. So again, the first thing is, the first why is because today's workforce demands more. The second why is because structure matters. The third one is because one-on-ones are not just for giving feedback but also for getting feedback, right? I mean, trust me, I get it. You know, some of you have been doing this job a long time and you're smart. Most of you think you know what's going on with your team, but trust me, you don't. I literally was watching a video last week where we were talking to a sales manager and uh, they did a survey amongst sales managers across the board and 90 plus percent thought they were doing a great job of coaching their teams. Then they <laughs> then they did a survey with their, the, their salespeople and literally 90% of the people said, no, we're not getting coaching at all. Coaching? What's coaching? Never get it. So um, this is something you got to do in your one-on-one where you have that structure, when you're asking the right questions, you know, you're, you're, you're finding out things about your team that are going to help you 
develop into a more a better leader for your team, a more powerful leader, and someone who leads the team in a way that makes them more productive and fulfilled. So taking the time to develop intentionally the relationships on your team, sometimes, okay, that can seem tedious, but it reaps incredible dividends. I mean, you got to give it time too. I, I tell people all the time, when you first start doing one-on-ones, don't expect for the aha moment to happen in the first week or two. For me, it's typically happened in somewhere between four and eight weeks. And that's when you start seeing the benefits of the trust and the relationship that you built. I mean, a lot of people have some pathology with their bosses. Like there, there's some stuff that's happened in their past and they're projecting it onto you. You've got to overcome that. And that takes time. It takes time to get them to open up. But if you want them to open up, there's a couple things you need to do. To develop this trust, you got to do a few things. First of all, you have to be curious. You've got to ask questions. You've got to dig in in a way that's appropriate, not where you're like the Inquisition, but you've got to ask a lot of curious questions about you, your leadership team, their goals, get their input, help them understand, you know, help them know that you care about what they have to say. I mean, they know more about your team, maybe even than you do. And for sure, they know more than they're going to let on. So make sure you do that. Make sure also you follow up. So you ask questions, you follow up on those questions. It's just not a a one-time question deal. Um, And then this is a really important principle in communication, not just for leaders, but for team members. But for, for leaders, this is super important. And that is that you need to seek understanding before seek being understood. So often in my career, when I've failed, it's because I wanted people to understand my point of view instead of really listening to them and trying to understand what their struggle is, what are the things that they're working on. So try not to be defensive. Try to take a breath when you're hearing this feedback and try to really understand what they're saying. And the last thing about that is make sure that when you're giving feedback that you're very, very specific about both the praise and the critique. Kind of the general, hey, you're doing a great job, um, or this is something you you know I want you to be more attentive in meetings. Th- those aren't helpful because it doesn't give them something to go back to and say, okay, oh that's the behavior that they saw. That's the thing I want to do again because it was great, or that's the thing I want to change because it was it was hard. Be very specific about both your praise and critique. Okay, so why one on ones? Because the, today's workforce demands more. Because structure matters. Because one on ones are not about just giving feedback, but also getting feedback. And lastly look, you don't want to be a lazy manager, right? For years, my own lack of structure, it was kind of an excuse for me. It's like, hey, I'm pretty good with people and and I like people and they like me and we'll get together and talk when we need to talk. It's just lazy leadership. Um, it, It serves you, but it doesn't serve your team member. Your team members need to be with you. They need to feel like they're like you're turning your attention toward them and you're listening and, and, and really digging in with them. And that kind of lazy management of, well, I'll, you know, they'll, they'll talk to me when they need me. It is not a way to build a trusting team, a productive team, the kind of team that you want to, to build your culture. So as I've added substance to my own one-on-ones over the years, and I, I had bad one-on-ones for a long time, um, but as, as, I've, as I've been more intentional about them, I can see that I'm serving my team members well and in doing that, I'm serving my company well. And, you know, we're, it, it's not perfect. It's not like the, the uh, you know, everything's perfect in just that moment. But what it does is it starts building the sort of place to work we all want to work. And that gets back to my why. Now, if you want to read more about that, you can read the blog that, that will be attached to the show notes here. Pretty similar to what I'm sharing here today. But if you want to look at my why, take a look at that build your own why, and then start constructing those your one-on-ones around these important principles. Again, 
workforce demands more, so give them more. The structure matters, making sure you're getting feedback, not just giving it, and then make sure you're not a lazy manager. So hopefully using these principles will help you and your team build the sort of culture that you want, both in productivity, but also in their fulfillment and just the happiness factor of their job. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to Let's Talk Teams. If you have any other questions, we'd love to talk with you. You can hit us up on Twitter at UpTickApp, or you can also message us personally. Our info is in the show notes. And if you want to make your one-on-ones better with your team or with your manager, check out Uptick by visiting UpTickApp.com.